Happy Sunday, everybody. This is Zach said it again. I'm your host, Zach Cooley, and I am happy to be here with my good friend, uh, Philip McAdams, to talk about an excellent uh, night out at the movies uh, to our wonderful, beautifully restored uh, Millwall Theater to see a very classic film, Casablanca. Thank you for being with me, Philip. Oh, my pleasure. And it was indeed a classic film, and you are a classic film buff, which is why it so surprised me that you had never seen Casablanca. Yes, I had. I hadn't seen it before, so it was a it was a real treat to see it uh, in the, to see it on the big screen. You know, I think you know it just it makes it all you know all a little bit more special. So just to get to see a classic movie like that in a theater with people and, you know, hear the oohs and ahs and the clapping at the end, it's all part of the experience. Yeah, that I never, you know, I, I, I don't really, I didn't really get the applause at the end because, I mean, it's not like Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman could hear us, but I don't know, maybe they can wherever they are. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually really, really like the ending. I'm, I'm glad they ended it the way they did. It was, <laughs> it was the ending it needed to be. I, they could have gone the other way, and, and I thought, man, it just, <laughs> it wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, and everybody, you know, people won't leave it alone. There have been remakes and books and movies and fan fiction and all this that bring the different ending. If you haven't seen the film, stop the podcast now because we're going to do some spoiler <laughs> alerts here. But uh, to bring Ilsa and Rick together, and I don't think Ilsa and Rick were ever meant to be together. It was one of those ill-fated things because her yeah. her husband really did love her, and even though I think that that, uh, you know, Rick probably um, ignited a, a, a passion within her that probably her husband did not. I think she loved her husband and had no reason, had no reason oh, yeah. to part ways with him. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was a good guy and he, you know, was, you know, he, he had his ideals and, you know, was fighting for what was right for him in the war and but it, doing what he could, and I, I think Rick kind of did the noble thing. And if he didn't, if he, then I don't know. I think it would have flawed the character. Yeah, there was an era um, in those days, and I wish they had it today. There, there is an era of filmmaking where it was in the contract, and I believe this was Warner Brothers. Uh, where no act of murder or no act of adultery, regardless mm -hmm. of how it turns out in the book, would go unpunished on film. Mm, yes. And and that that was lifted sometime in the early 60s. Uh, but that mm -hmm. was a rule back then in those days, and one I think should have should have been left in there because mm -hmm. this, you know this. When you go to movies, or at least when I go to movies, I want escapism from the real world. I want things to be tied up with a nice, 
happy ending, happily ever after, because so much hmm. of r- real life doesn't do that. And oh, sure. But in this situation, uh, the American Film Institute voted the the Bogart uh, Bergman affair as the number one passion of all time on screen. Oh. Uh, but this was a situation, uh, and uh, and I'm sure you'll agree with me that nobody won. You know, nobody yeah. was going to win. If she went with Rick, th- nobody was going to win. You know, uh-huh. so it really didn't matter which way it went. You know, it wasn't going to be like, oh, this is the one she's supposed to be. At least not to me. But people will not let it go. Like Amy <laughs> Amy Wickham said to me this when she passed by me to leave the theater, she said, I thought this time he'd get the girl. You know, <laughs> people people are still holding out for that and won't let it go. And I I read a book at the library. It was called As Time Goes By and it was sort of a prequel and a sequel to it gave you the background and where you were in the movie and what happened at the end. Of course, it had them getting married. And it, and it was just, it was a really long, it could have been really, really nicely done. It was approved by Warner Brothers. But it just, mm-hmm. it just, it's one of those stories that you just don't need to mess with. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's it's pretty singular. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, it needed. It began where it needed to begin, and it ended where it needed to end. Mm-hmm. And it made for a nice story. And you use your imagination, I think, where where the characters go and what happens. And um, yeah, I don't. I don't need a sequel, a sequel mm-hmm. of what their life like was a year later, or right, right, what have you. Right. And you, having not seen it for the first time, you got the magic of the whole thing. So what was your impression of the whole story? I I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure where it was going. I didn't have a lot of background on, mm-hmm. um, on, you know, what the whole, whole storyline was. So this, this was like watching it all brand new. And, to, you know, now afterwards, I know, I know, uh, you know why it's such a classic? Because mm-hmm. uh, it was it was excellent. The the characters, the dialogue, and yeah, to see it on the big screen. I remember the moment um, Humphrey Bogart first appeared. You could you could hear, you know, like a few oohs and the hot like, you know, little like there he is. And the same thing when Ingrid Bergman just first appeared on screen. You know, she comes on screen, and I mean, she's just gorgeous mm-hmm. and you could you could hear like a few little gasps like there she is <laughs> even 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 after all this time and you know people most people have seen there was another friend of mine that was there that hadn't seen the movie before and uh she's just lost her mother so we want to dedicate this podcast to the memory of judy roar her mother was also a friend of mine. They used to come to the trivia nights at the library. 
Okay. And uh, and Judy Judy was the lady with uh, Parkinson's. I don't know if you remember. Oh her. yes, yes. But anyway, Judy has recently passed, and Teresa Teresa was out, so it was good to see Teresa out. It was good that she came to that. She had never seen Casablanca before. So it it could not have been a better setting for you to see such a classic film. And, oh, yeah, definitely. And you have the thrill of working at Millwald, and you possess the right kind of energy and enthusiasm that is needed for that job. What's it like for you to, to, to go to work in a place like that? Well, it's uh, it's it's really it's really a good time. Um, the, the people are, that are there are all, you know, really passionate and committed to to what they're doing. And you know, there's you know, especially concert nights. You know, there's like this energy of you know, let's put on a show and you know, make it happen. You know, it's you know, almost that kind of positive nervous energy um yeah. adrenaline maybe Mo- <laughs> and, motivation uh, yes yeah motivation so, and it's it's nice to to see it and i get to you know i get to see some things here and there and there's when um when we had pantillas i you know i got to you know i was doing some uh i was doing some ushering inside mm-hmm. for a little while and um, and then, uh, I got to see like half the show and it, it was, she was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to see that. And some of the, the movie nights, like, you know, stuff I, I'd seen on VHS, you know, in the eighties or, right. uh, or DVDs that I have, um, like Friday the 13th to see that up on the big screen. That was, that was kind of cool. Um, and then Greece, uh, we got a pretty big crowd, crowd for that. And all, you know, all the music sequences and the dances, you could, you could hear people in the audience like singing along. And that was, that was fun to see that. And Dirty Dance, I had never seen Dirty Dancing either. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I ended up going into the last, I don't know, I want to say, last 15, 20 minutes. And of course, you know, which is like the best part, you uh-huh. know, the whole, like, you know, nobody puts baby in a corner yeah. <laughs> and takes her up and they do that final dance with that, that song we've all heard a gazillion times. Yeah. And, yeah. That, you know, to see it on the big screen and doing it is, that was, that was pretty, pretty cool. And, and, and uh, some of the, out- the oh, go yeah. ahead. I, and then, um, well, your neighbor down the street and our mutual friend, Nora, mm-hmm. um, I was off the night that they did Princess Bride and um, she's like, hey, let's go. And I had never seen that one either. So you're getting uh, a, you're getting a great film education. From the middle <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm getting a great film education. So. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Dirty Dance, and some of the outdoor uh, sequences of that film were were shot not too far from here, about two hours away in Smith Mountain Lake. Yes, yes. Actually, I I went with our mutual friend Jeremy a couple months ago. We um, I think it was in spring or early summer. We went 
to the Cascades hiking there. And on the, on the way back, I don't think it was a far detour to take over there. And, and we did go over to that old, that hotel and, um, some of the grounds that hold gazebo that's, I guess, in the beginning of the movie. And there's, you know, there's hardly any water in the lake, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's nice. It's nice to see it and get to see those film scenes. And I think one of the cabins they used for us. So it was nice. Well, another one that I'm sorry I missed at the Millwall was White Christmas. I've seen White Christmas oh, many yes. times. It's an annual part of our holiday tradition. I've I've even seen it on the big screen in Bristol, but we didn't mm. make it to the Millwall, and I and then it was a it, it was a huge success. Uh, oh yeah, I I I want to say that was probably the I think that was probably the biggest audience we had so far. Well, of for movies, mm. um, yeah, that was that drew a big crowd. We've we've been getting um we've been getting some um you know, generous uh, sponsorship from the Wick Bland Foundation. And they've, they've sponsored some events and had some, you know, free community movies. Um, in fact, we're, for later this month, uh, they're sponsoring um, Superman, the Christopher Reeve 1970 mm-hmm. original one. So that should be, that should be a fun one to see. By the time people hear this, though, it will be May, and and uh, uh, Jeff uh, is going to bring. Speaking of energy and and go getters, uh, Jeff Potts came all the way from Wisconsin to be the executive director of this place, and oh. somebody who has energy and 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 enthusiasm for film. It, it is that man for sure. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's contagious. Yes. Yes, it is. Maston Paisley has been my friend since day one. He's a year younger than me. We went all the way through school together. I know his wife. Uh, She's a wonderful lady and they're wonderful people. And uh, Uh you introduced me to um, Susie Booth. Who is the technical director who worked in Off Broadway, and here she is in our little theater in Whitfield. Oh yeah, very lucky to have her. Mm-hmm. All of them. It's it's sort of it's a really good team. We have uh, Brady Parks there too, and um, Morgan Herbert, and uh, yeah, they all of them really bring they they all bring something really great to the to the theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all balances out pretty nicely. Yes, and uh, you know, Mill uh, the Millwall to me, as it is with many people who live here. You know, I grew up going to to the movies in that place. You know, they back when I, you know, five and six years old, when when they were when when I was growing up. They would bring out the, they would re-release the Disney films into theater as the as a main run of of uh, as a main run in the box office, and we would get to see things like Jungle Book and Snow White and Hundred One Dalmatians. It's my favorite story that I've told over and over again that my great grandmother and I went in to see 
101 Dalmatians, and after getting a lecture from my mother before going in about being quiet so that the other people could hear the movie, we were the only two people in the theater, and my granny Rose says, oh, good, we're, we're the only two people in the theater, we can laugh as loud as we want to, and we did, we had a great time, and um, that's my favorite memory from the Millwall, but in those days, to go see even when I was coming up, it was a, it was a family event to go see whatever the latest Disney movie was, or if they re-released an old one, or if or if the Muppets had put out a movie. It was a family event for everybody to go. And it, oh sure. And it was pretty unusual to get all four of us out at the same time going to the same place. Um, so and that would be virtually impossible now, but. Uh, you know, I you know, having grown up in the Millwall movie and just yeah, escape for two hours and yeah, and you know, be put into another world. And it and it was and you know, I'm obsessed with the fifties era, uh, when America was actually prospering and uh it's always been my dream for Millwall to be remodeled and to look like an old movie theater and to go in and see old movies and feel like that you're going to a big premiere in the 50s. And that's what I felt like, you know, coming out with Emily, coming out of the theater and the marquee, uh, it seems like that one marquee lit up the whole town. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, oh, yeah. like I said, I've seen White Christmas on the big screen, but we had to go all the way to Bristol to see it. Or we'd have, we'd have to drive to Marion, and then my big van that cost $100 to fill up, that's a lot of gas yeah. mileage just to go see a movie. So it was so nice just to be right around the corner, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's a, a great addition, and it's going to have, you know, a lot of options for people to, you know, to go out and not have not have to go to Christiansburg or... Yeah. You know, Blacksburg or yeah, Colorado yeah. State or <laughs> and it's, you know, it's uh, something close by and and yeah, they it looks like they they're gonna have a lot of different kind of programming. So I mean I think there's gonna be something for everybody. But it's good to you know, just a couple movies a, a month and some really good classics and some fun ones and and musicals and stuff like that to you know, be able to go for you know, pretty much eight dollars a ticket, which is not bad, and three dollar popcorn and three dollars soda. I mean, it's really it's it's not something that you're going to go out for two people and you know spend a hundred dollars. It's right. pretty reasonable. Right. Which, if you go to a movie in bigger cities like Christiansburg or Roanoke, you're going to spend a hundred dollars on tickets and concessions to see a regular movie. And in this instance, you can see a classic movie like Casablanca for $6 at, at a base price. And then you have a $1.80 box office fee and then another dollar to contribute to the historical restoration, which I think is wonderful because we all want to contribute to the success of Millwall. I think, I think uh, oh, I don't know anybody in Whitfield that doesn't want it to succeed. And if, mm-hmm. and if they don't want it to succeed, they need to leave. They need to find another <laughs> town. Because mm. this this really, um, like the Bowling Wilson Hotel, I said, what 
what I wouldn't give to, you know, if we have this night out to go to have everything paid for, to go, if if I could afford it, to go to um, the Millwall to see an old movie and then to go across the street and have dinner at Gray's on Main and, and have a room up at the Bowling Wilson Hotel because my great-grandmother stayed there, too, on her wedding night in 1944. Yeah, that was Easter Sunday, 1944. And four months later, he he passed away of cancer. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so none of us ever knew him, including his daughter that would be born the following March. She found out she was pregnant the day of his funeral. And it's really, oh, wow. Yeah, it's really a very tragic story. But I had my Granny Rose till she was 92, we saw many movies together at the Millwall, and uh, she died just two months before that hotel opened, and I wanted to take her so badly to see. But, I mean, what what a perfect evening would that be if you, if you could go oh, sure. and do all that, you know. And, yeah. And uh, I, uh, you know, and I have a story about White Christmas, too. They all went... Uh, my great-grandmother and several of her siblings all went to see it at the Millwall in 1954 on Christmas Eve. And when they came out, it was snowing. Oh, perfect. So, yeah. So that, that was, that, you, you can't write a story that good. Um, oh, yeah. The flip side of that story is we were, we were scheduled to show Polar Express, like, a couple days before Christmas, and we had a really bad so, snowstorm, but so bad that we we had to cancel the show that night. We sure did, and it, and it was a sellout too, I believe. Oh, I believe so. I believe it was a sellout, so people had people got uh, you know they could redeem their tickets at a future event. And yeah, we. We had a makeup movie. Oh, we had a makeup movie, which, yeah. I don't remember which one it was, but it was something. Some people came to see it. That's great. Uh, but as far as Casablanca, for its time, every technique that they had in Hollywood, uh, Michael Curtis, who also directed White Christmas, uh, used every element from the lighting to the dialogue, very witty dialogue, one of the most quoted films in history. Uh, uh-huh. As Paul Dellinger pointed out to me, the most famous quote in the in the movie, Play It Again, Sam, was never actually uttered as Play It Again, Sam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In- Ingrid Bergman said, play it, Sam. Please play as time goes by. And then... Bogart says to him later, "Play it, play it again. If she can stand it, so can I." So, uh, yeah. And of of course, that's a great song. Oh, I love that song. And Dooley Wilson, a superbly talented man. Um, But I found out one of the few American-born entertainers in that cast, which makes sense. He had to mime his piano playing because he was a drummer, not a piano player. And, oh, wow. and the director even considered uh, overdubbing his vocals, which I'm so glad he didn't do because 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, a wonderful, distinctive voice. Yeah, very Louis Armstrong sounding. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, he was he was perfect for that role. Yeah. Everybody was really so good. Yeah. And and I was I was surprised, <laughs> you know, seeing it for the first time and not having a lot of background. I remember uh, when Peter Lorre just came on screen, I was mm-hmm. like, hey, that's Peter Lorre. What's he doing here? Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. you you can't miss his eyes, you know, sort no, of. No, no, you can't. He's just, he's very distinctive. Sort of, sort of like Marty Feldman when they come on the screen, you know who it is. Uh, oh. And but he, yeah, a lot of a lot of people, um, the Sydney Green Street, yeah. and that, and I recognize he was in. In fact, his last movie was just a few years after that, uh, 1949's uh, Flamingo Road with Joan Crawford. Yeah, see, you're very up on, on these old films, which was really a shock to me that you'd not seen. Yeah. Uh, oh, and another thing for Casablanca, just a little trick. Um, uh, what was it? Paul Henry? Paul Henry, um, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, he was he was wonderful, yes. and he, he, you know, he played. That was a tough role because, you know, you you want to you want to play it sympathetic, but you have this other, yeah. you know, love interest and yeah, uh, you know, it's you, you, you want to you want to cause conflict as well. Yes, yeah, and I just think he did it perfectly. But I, I was reading afterwards that he, um, as as well as you know, continuing on acting, he he was a now voyager, I think, right after or right before this one. But um, one of my wife, he, which is one he, of my w- wife's favorite films with Betty Davis, now voyager. Oh yes, and you know what's the other funny thing was, as he went on to do directing. And I had no idea. I never put two and two together. He directed Betty Davis in 1964's Dead Ringer. Wow. Um, which was an old black and white one she did right after Baby Jane. Yeah. And um, that's one where she, she plays identical twins, a rich one and a poor one. And the the poor one kills the rich one and assumes right. her life and, you know, <laughs> tries to pass herself off as the... The rich sister and in the in uh, in that vein of Baby Jane, the sibling rivalry and the oh yeah bitter yeah. deceit for the other one. Yeah, but I had no idea he was he directed her and and that he was the director. Mm-hmm. So Paul Henry yeah. was also famous for doing the you know smoking more than one cigarette at a time. He would do this bit where he would light two two cigarettes at once. Because there's an episode of I Love Lucy that he's lighting a, he smoke, Desi is smoking his own cigarette and he's lighting one for Lucy. And he says, look, Lucy, I'm making like Paul Henry. I'm smoking. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you so much for your time. You've been wonderful as usual. And, oh, uh, my pleasure. And I, Always good talking with you. And I enjoyed this film and I look forward to many, many more. Well, me too. Yes. Thank you very much, Philip. Oh, you're welcome. We'll always have Casablanca. <laughs> I'm gonna end it. I'm gonna end it right there. There's, there's, we, yeah, we can't top that. We'll always have Casablanca. That, that's, that's, he's not gonna.
You're not going to top that one. So, indeed, we will, sir. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome.